welcome all of you, especially our guests today and those who are listening at home who haven't been with us before. As you may tell already, I am kind of losing my voice. I feel fine. I don't have COVID. I've got a cold. And if it'll just make it through the sermon, we'll be good. But I may sound like an adolescent boy whose voice is changing. I'm just try, try to focus on the message and not the voice, okay? So glad to have you all here. We have some particular um, things to share with you. And one of them you might have seen on your email. We now have a new director of children and youth ministry. A hiccup, she's not starting till March, we hope by mid-March. If you didn't get to read it at home, she recently had a little accident where she tore her ACL into two, and she's having surgery this Tuesday, and I am planning to go have prayer with her. Her name is Melanie. And um, what I'd really like to do is to take a whole bunch of notes from the congregation saying, welcome, that we're praying for you, we hope the surgery goes well. And I left some notes and pins out there. Uh, The surgery until Tuesday, so if you can't do it today, if you can bring them by the end of Monday, um, then I can take them to her on Tuesday. I think it's a nice way to welcome her, and it is a nice way for us to let her know that we care. So... I hope that you will do that. It doesn't have to be a big note. It can just have a line in your signature. But I hope you'll, you will join me in doing that. Um, but what a wonderful, wonderful thing. Good news we've been waiting for for just a while. So also, page turn. Um, if you haven't picked up your Linton devotional, they should still be available at the welcome desk. On Wednesday evenings at 6 o'clock, we are still having a meal and a program, and right now um, we're watching the series The Chosen and discussing it afterwards. Also, um, Southminster 101, if you are somebody who is interested in finding out more about the church or you're interested in membership, you don't have to be ready to be a member to come to the class, just come and find out more about us. It's a two-part class. It starts... Oh, about 15 minutes after worship today, and then it will be again next week. You can meet everybody here at the welcome desk, and we'll walk over together. Also, the adult ed class for Lent has started on the difficult words of Jesus, and that meets in the hospitality room, which is just that away. Um, there, there's a room where you will get together and have a wonderful study. Both Steve Davis and Stan Gokel will be leading that. And finally, Gay Amos has a moment for mission for Blanket Sunday. Good morning to you all. On Blanket Sunday, what I think of, what flashes through my mind, are earthquakes and typhoons, cyclones, Hurricanes, tornadoes, floods. And what I, the other vision that goes through my mind is all the people whose lives are uprooted and all, uh, perhaps some of their homes are completely destroyed. Perhaps their 
still there, but they're filled with mud from the flood that went through them, or they're broken because of the tornadoes. So Church World Service is an agency that is uh, covered by many, many churches and uh, religions, and they are people who respond to emergencies. And so Blanket Sunday is a time when we are able to give an offering that will be us represented at, at, to the aid of these people wherever they are. If you look on your envelope, there's a picture of some of the blankets that they uh, offer. They are not very beautiful looking blankets. They're not the kinds that we choose when we decorate our home, but oh, when someone gets one of those put around their shoulders, it is so warm, it is so comforting, and they know that people care what kind of distress these people are suffering. So we're asking for you to think of ways that you can send your love by giving an offering that blankets can be purchased. For people in uh, warmer climates, they don't send these sturdy blankets. The, these gray ones are as strong, say, as an army blanket. And they can be a suitcase to carry people's whatever belongings they're able to find and keep. They can be protection from the elements. They can be a bed. They can be something to keep them warm, but mostly it's something that gives them hope that there's going to be a better future for them. So if you wish to send your love out to people who are in real distress, please use this envelope or if you are listening in and want to send in a donation, be sure to note that it is for Blanket Sunday and those who are so desperate and down will truly be grateful and thankful for the love that you have sent to them. The time of reflection and stillness is upon us. It is the first Sunday in Lent, the season for journeys of the heart. The Lenten candles have been lit, but over the next six weeks, the light will slowly fade into darkness. As we follow Jesus on his path to the cross, we also remember that through Jesus' death, resurrection is revealed. This is the sacred center of our faith, the truth made manifest in Jesus Christ, that with love, God can transform us and our world. In his pain and suffering, Jesus speaks to every pain and loss you have ever endured and offers you the promise of new life, new beginnings, and new possibilities. It's an old story but it still has the power to heal and to redeem. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God.
Please be seated. And join me in the prayer of confession. Gracious God, we confess to you our reluctance to enter the wilderness places where we are confronted with our true selves. We admit that we can be tempted to put the selfish values of this world before our desire to follow the path of Christ. Forgive us for the times we have been tempted to use the gifts you have given us to benefit ourselves at the expense of serving others. Forgive us for our self-centeredness, our apathy, and for the ease with which we turn away from you. Through the guidance of your spirit, free us for the love that trusts you, no matter where you lead or how rough the path may be. Amen. Now for the assurance of forgiveness. Merciful God, what a gentle and healing balm it is to come to you with our secret thoughts, our sad discouragements, and our noblest dreams, knowing the healing that only you can give us. Such a gift surely sets us free. May we live with gratitude for the new life we know in Christ, and may we shine with your love. Amen. for the joyous event of passing the peace. The peace of Christ be with you. Please greet each other as you feel comfortable. And now for the prayer 
for illumination. Lord God, with the help of your spirit, let us become aware with understanding the meaning of your word proclaimed and how it may be applied by us, your people, collectively and individually in our lives. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. The scripture reading is from Psalm 42, it's verses 1 through 8. And this is actually a psalm from attributed to the Korahites. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me continually, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I went with the throng and led them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Call, deep calls to deep at the thunder of your cataracts. All your waves and your billows have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me, a prayer to God of my life. The word of the Lord.
join me in the chancel. for that. So this is the children's time in worship. So you're children, right? You come up here for this. But guess what? I am God's child too. You may not believe that. I don't look much like a child. And all those people out there are God's children too. Because with God, being God's child has nothing to do with how old you are. It has to do with how much God loves you. God loves all of us as God's own children. And that makes us a family. We are a family of faith in this church. We're kind of sisters and brothers to each other in Jesus. That's kind of cool. Well, one of the things that we have sometimes in our own families are Traditions. What's a tradition? Yeah? Something you do and you pass it down, or maybe something you do every year at Christmas or Thanksgiving. You have certain things you do in your family every year, right? Yeah? What's something you do at Christmas every year as a family? Open present. Having family time. Sometimes there are traditions that everybody does, and sometimes there are special traditions that only you do in your family. Well, there's a tradition that every Christian church shares, and that tradition is baptism. Baptism. What's that right there? What's that thing with the bowl in it? Well, it's a baptismal font. That's what it is. It doesn't have any water right in it right now. I remember when I baptized you, and you were much younger. And what do yeah? And what do we use for baptism? Somebody said it. Water. Somebody asked me once, was it holy water? Was it special water? I need a drink of this. No, it's just regular everyday water. What makes it special is what we do with it, right? So when we baptize you. And, and we do that for adults and children as well. We're just saying that God loves you and God claims you as God's very own child. That's pretty cool. Now, there are lots of different ways to do that tradition in different churches. We use a, a thing like this, and we put water in it, and we may put it on your head. You know, there's some churches where you get all the way underwater and you come back up. Now, in fact, I've been to some that... They open a little curtain in the sanctuary, and it's like a pool in there. And you walk down the steps, and the pastor leans you back under the water and back up again. I always thought that would be cool to do, but most Presbyterian churches aren't set up that way. Though it never says that we can't do it that way. When I was a very young pastor, 
there was a man who was in the hospital, and they didn't know if he would come out again, and he really wanted to be baptized that way. And the hospital had a physical therapy pool. They had a pool where people could exercise and get stronger. So we took him there and baptized him. That was really a special memory for me. Well, today, our story in the Bible talks about when Jesus was baptized. And when Jesus was baptized, it was like the heavens just were wide open, and God's voice said, this is my son. He said to Jesus, you are my son, my beloved, and you I am well pleased. And Jesus asked us to be baptized to remember that God is well pleased with us, that we are God's beloved. And we always will be. Especially when you have difficult times in your life, that's really important to remember. That you are God's child and you always will be, no matter how old you ever get, you will always be loved like Let's have a prayer together and you can repeat each part after me. God, thank you for baptism. It is wonderful to know that I will always be your very own child, marked with the sign of your love. Amen. Thanks for coming. gospel reading is from Mark chapter 1, beginning with verse 9. Listen to the gospel of the Lord. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. 
And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. My dad grew up in a little town where all the churches were Baptist, and the only way that anybody was ever baptized was getting dunked in the Mississippi River. At the age of 12, he walked down with the congregation with his brand new white shirt on, and he knew he liked to swim and play and catch fish in that river, but he wasn't so sure about that dunking thing. The pastor read the scripture about Jesus' baptism and then waded into the water with Dad following tentatively behind him. A strong arm surrounded his back and down he went. He half expected to see shining rays of light above the water, having just heard that scripture, but all he distinctly remembered was a water bug making circular ripples above his face. And then the pastor suddenly pulled him back up, and he caught his breath, and he remembers the smile and the beaming on his mother's face. Dad's baptism was important to him. He wasn't always the best churchgoer. It was hard to get through an hour service without a cigarette, but he did believe. And something about his baptism gave him comfort, knowing that he may not be perfect, but he was nevertheless claimed as God's own child. He has been gone for many years now, and yet somehow when I think of him, I can't get this image out of my mind of my dad with wings and halo askew, a cigarette in his mouth, a book in his hand, and a slingshot in his back pocket, grinning over the last prank he pulled or the last joke he told. Baptisms are meaningful to us, not because of any, any obvious drama that we can see before us. The most drama I ever witnessed when doing one was holding a twin boy in each arm as I walked down the aisle for people to see them and one of them having a diaper that didn't hold and having an unfortunate substance run down the sleeve of my gown. And yet there is something dramatic going on whenever there is a baptism, something amazing. And what God is doing in each baptism, no matter under what circumstances we are being baptized or no matter who we are. In Jesus' baptism, it was the drama of incarnation itself, God coming into the world. In the beginning of Gospel of Mark, there are no shepherds or magi or star or even a baby. 
Instead, it begins with John the Baptist calling people to repentance, and then like anyone else, Jesus shows up and wades into the water for his baptism too. Only, as we know, Jesus isn't just any person. As soon as John brings him up out of that water again, Jesus looks up and the heavens are torn apart. Now, the other Gospels mention the heavens being open, but Mark's word is much stronger. It comes from a Greek verb, schizo, part of the word schizophrenic. Schizo, which means ripped apart, so torn, so completely, that something would be hard-pressed to ever come back together again. This is the moment of incarnation. The spirit rests on Jesus like a dove. The barrier between the realm of God and the realm of humanity has been ripped apart forever. And the spirit of God comes into the world. The voice from heaven proclaims, you are my son, the beloved, and you I am well pleased. God has broken through the boundaries between the divine and the human. And things will never be the same. Throughout the stories of Jesus, we see him breaking through the boundaries people have used to separate themselves from God and to separate themselves from each other. Remember when the Pharisees got all in a dither because he healed on the Sabbath, something that was forbidden in the rules? Because he was sitting down to dinner with the riffraff, the known sinners. Because he touched lepers that were considered unclean in the holiness code, that he proclaimed that the poor would be in the kingdom of God before the rich. Jesus was turning their world upside down because God wants to erase many of the boundaries that we set up in this world. Now, don't get me wrong. Boundaries are not always a bad thing. As a matter of fact, our presbytery even requires pastor, pastors to go to boundaries training to remind us how to respect the space of others, to remind us to know our limits, to help us realize that we can't always be all things to all people. The kind of boundaries that Jesus challenges are the ones that keep us from loving each other, that set off false barriers between rich and poor, between races, between cultures, or barriers that we draw around ourselves so that we don't get too involved in the suffering or the need or the tragedy in our world. We try to impose barriers between ourselves and God. Even in church, we can cling so tightly to tradition and the ways we've always done things that we leave no room for the Holy Spirit among us. Brian Blount, a recently retired Presbytery, sorry, president of Union Presbyterian Seminary, where I went to seminary, has said this, we go crazy if someone changes the format of the Sunday Bulletin. Imagine what would happen if someone, touched by God on the loose, tried to change the very way our church does church, or tried to make our church reach out to problem people and impure issues that we think ought to stay outside the life and concern of the church. <coughs> Just imagine if people stopped doing all the traditional things in all the traditional ways. We might as well admit it. We don't really want a wild God on the loose. Not in our world, certainly not in our churches, not really. We really want a domesticated God, Blount says. A charismatic, captive cat, a holy but humbled hound dog. 
We want the power that God and God's reign represent. But we want that power domesticated, working for us. We want it on a leash, our leash. The thing is, the spirit of the living God is on the loose. And our lives are diminished when we try to push God to the margins of our daily existence, other than maybe a nod on Sunday and an occasional prayer when we're in a tough spot. We are not all that God created us to be when we get into a rigid mindset about our beliefs and don't open our minds and hearts to new possibilities that challenge us, or when we relegate faith to our minds without putting the lessons of Jesus into practice. Note that in Mark's gospel, the dove-like spirit doesn't just hover gently over Jesus' head, but drives him into the wilderness. This is where Jesus needs to wrestle with his thoughts and his calling, to figure out what it means to be the Son of God. Mark doesn't get into the specific temptations like the other Gospels do, because to Mark, the important thing is that Jesus manages to hold on to his identity as God's own Son, even when the craziness of the world and its values bids him go in a different direction. The character of the devil is a biblical symbol of what is wrong with the world the mixed-up priorities, the vain desires, the grasping for power, or the tendency towards selfishness. We are told, though, that the angels ministered to him. In other words, Jesus was not alone. God was with him even in what seemed to be a God-forsaken place. And so it is for us. When things fall apart in our world, it is a different type of tearing in two. We were heartbroken this past week when a shooting took place at a Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade. Fans cheering for the team suddenly turning into chaos as they ran away. One death, 22 injuries, more than half of them children. When the heartbreak and pain of life immobilizes us, we remember that one day a man walked into the Jordan River and was baptized and the heavens were torn apart. And God came into the world in such a way that we are never without the presence, the sustaining love, the prize and grace of God. As Emily Anderson has put it, God's grace seeps in and drenches our world and the torn places of our world, creating opportunities for us to let grace seep out from us to one another. As most of you also heard on the news, Alexei Navalny, the Russian opposition leader who stood up against the corruption of Putin and his cronies, was killed recently in his prison cell by a poison that has been used before to eliminate anti-government voices. Back in February of 2001, a month after he returned to Moscow, Navalny was arrested and put in prison. But the message of God's love and mercy touched his soul, gave him more courage and drive than ever to pursue truth in his own life and in the government of his country. While in pre-trial detention, he found comfort in the words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mountain. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. The word righteousness in the Russian Bible translated as truth. At trial, 
This is what he said. Well, I'm supposed to say my final word, so I'll say my final word. I don't even know what else to say, Your Honor. Would you like me to talk to you about God and salvation? The thing is, I'm a religious person. At the Anti-Corruption Foundation and in my environment, I tend to get teased about it. Some are atheists, and I used to be one too, even a quite militant one. But now I am a religious person, and that helps me a lot in what I do. It makes everything much, much easier. I brood less. I have fewer dilemmas in my life. Because there is a book that describes more or less what to do in which situation. Of course, it's not always easy to stick to it. But on the whole, I try. <laughs> and that's probably why it's easier for me than many others to do politics in Russia. You said in an interview, someone said to him, that you believe in God. And it is written, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for then you will be filled. You'll be fine. And I thought to myself, someone understands me really well. Not that I'm doing really well right now in prison, but I've always understood this commitment as an instruction for action. I don't enjoy being here, but I don't regret coming back or what I'm doing. Of course, for modern people, this commitment sounds far too pathetic. Blessed? Hunger and thirst for justice? Yes, it sounds pretty crazy. Honestly, people who say things like that just seem crazy. So there's some crazy guy sitting in his cell with disheveled hair trying to cheer himself up. Because what kind of normal, sensible person adheres to such a commandment? This. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they shall be filled. That may sound exotic or strange, but in reality is currently the most important political idea in Russia. Don't be silent. He didn't have to go back to Moscow. He didn't have to be in prison. But he felt a call. And he knew that he was a beloved child of God. and That even if it meant his death, God would be with him. Like Jesus in the wilderness, so Navalny in his jail cell... Sometimes the Spirit pushes you and I places we don't want to go. The places where we realize that we can say yes. The life torn open by the love of God, who never leaves us alone wherever we are. You remember the scene of Jesus' crucifixion when Jesus dies and the veil of the temple curtain is torn in two. The Gospel writer Mark uses the same Greek verb that he used to describe what happened when the heavens were torn apart at Jesus' baptism. Now, the curtain at the temple had been used to separate the Holy of Holies from the people, the place where the Ark of the Covenant was held, where the presence of God was thought to be. At the moment of Jesus' death, God has so completely become one with humanity that there is no more separation between us. And in the distance, when that happened... A centurion saw Jesus take his last breath, and he exclaimed, Truly this man was the Son of God. Long ago, the prophet Isaiah had said to God, O oh God, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, and that is what has happened. 
Jesus Christ, God, has broken the barrier, broken into our world, broken into our lives. When we remember that we have been baptized, it is a comforting, life-sustaining thing because we know that we are held in God's love at every moment and we are never alone. At the same time, it presents us with a lifelong challenge of trying in any way we can to bring that love into a world that is torn with struggle and pain. We won't do it perfectly. We are imperfect vessels of God's grace. And yet, as Leonard Cohen once put it, there's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Friends, you and I are the continuation of the story of Jesus' baptism and our own. Called to follow in the path of Jesus Christ, loving and caring for this world and its people, letting others know that they too are beloved children of God. May you and I let the light and love that Christ has placed in our hearts peek through the cracks in our being.
God offers us a love that will not let us go. And so in gratitude, let us offer to God not just our gifts, but also our very lives. Let us give of our tithes and offerings as the ushers come. listing of our weekly concerns are on the insert in the bulletin and I invite you to use that for your as you pray for the needs of our congregation and our community let us also remember today the Bingaman family on the death of Cherry Bingaman uh, Jenny M's mother who fell in and is in the hospital with a subdural hematoma so please uh, lift Jenny and her mother up in prayer at this time Art N's cousin Bob, and also former 
members of our church who moved to uh, North Carolina, I believe, Esther and Paul W., who have had health problems, are now in rehab and are looking at long-term care options. Let us continue to remember other uh, members of our church with health needs, Judy M., Vivian C., Melita M., Pearl S.'s friend Barbara, Linda D.'s sister Deb, Gretchen C.'s father Stephen, Ojulu and Abang and concerns for their friends and neighbors in Ethiopia, also Clyde A., those with ongoing health concerns, Haley and Riley, those living with cancer, Curtis H., Winifred, Susie, Nathan, Julia, Marvin, Mike F., Phil, Dana, and Renee, uh, those recovering from illness or su surgery, including Max J., Jim M., Roy B., Ralph Y., Del B., and Art N., and continued prayers for Pat B. and Jason S., and for those in hospice care, Pat C. and Charles. Hmm? And, oh, and for Melanie, also Melanie, who's in... In hospice care, is that right? No, not in. Oh yeah, our oh, <laughs> Melanie, our children and youth director, who's coming and is having knee surgery on Tuesday. Thank you for reminding me. Let us lift these concerns to God in prayer. At times, O God of peace, as in the busyness of our hectic days, you hear the true prayers of not just what we say, but also what we do and who we are. Hear us as we join our hearts in unity to pray for your church. May we be united in your truth, committed in your love, sanctified by your grace, that with one heart and one voice, we might proclaim your good news in word and deed, always praising you for your abiding presence in our midst as a community of faith. We pray for this world which you lovingly created and for all the people of earth in all of their diversity and commonality. We continue to pray for peace in the Middle East, for the people of Israel, and the, especially the people of Gaza. As a UN report says, 93% of the people in Gaza now face crisis levels of hunger. Lord, our hearts grieve for the people of Russia and the entire free world at the de death of political activist Alexei Navalny. May his wife and daughter and all democracy-loving people find comfort in the hope that Alexei's sacrifice will not be in vain but will lead to the freedom of all Russians from Putin's dictatorial rule and an end to the war on Ukraine. We pray for all those impacted by the mass shooting in Kansas City on Wednesday as a moment of civic celebration was marred by the tragedy of gun violence. We pray for the family of well-known radio host Lisa Lopez Galvin, who was killed, for those recovering from wounds, and for a community traumatized by the events of that day. And with this tragedy, like in so many others, we cry out, How long, O Lord? How long? How, lo how long must children die? 
and families and communities continue to suffer from this epidemic of gun violence, grant courage and wisdom to each of us and to our leaders so that we as a nation may take the steps necessary to ensure that all are safe from this uniquely American epidemic. Tender and compassionate friend, give us the assurance that you are here among your people and the gifts of quiet and rest in this celebration of your abiding presence. Enable us with your guidance to be your church, to do your will in our common life together. Come near to those in our community who are suffering, those whose names have been mentioned from our prayer list, and those whose concerns have been shared this morning as we lift all of them silently to you now. Bless us, Lord, to follow in the paths of those saints who have gone before us in faith, whose steps were taken in the sure and certain knowledge of your presence, that we may faithfully glorify you now in your church and in your world forever. For these prayers we offer in the name and spirit of Jesus Christ our Lord, as we unite to pray the words he taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
remember to let the light of Christ peek through the cracks of your being and shine brightly, for you are children of God. Go in peace and may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.